These Advent days have been all about the turning, emphasizing not only the turning of us toward God, but the turning of God toward us with his final plan. We're so thankful for that experience and all that has been done to enhance our experience of turning our, ourselves during this holy season. Now, now, today we're going to turn in a little different way, all right? I realize that today, Christmas Eve, is probably the one Sunday in the year when Protestants are comfortable with the spotlight being on Mary. Just checking y'all, see if y'all were awake or not. I didn't know for sure. It's true. It is that time when we are comfortable with that. But today, we're going to make it a little farther turn. Because even though the story we just read is all about this woman, Mary, and the baby Jesus, even though it's all about this special lady who's had all these experiences so clearly outlined in the Gospel of Luke, it does mention that it was Joseph who took Mary with him to Bethlehem to register, right? And that's about the only press he gets in the Gospel of Luke, right? I mean, he is almost not there. Well, today we're going to put him back in the picture. Today we're going to think for a few moments this morning about what it meant to Joseph as a father. Now, we know that back in the story of, according to Luke, in the first chapter, the Annunciation came in with a special, in a special way at a special time from a special angel named Gabriel to Mary. And we announced the coming incarnation of the Son of God. Now, the scriptures describe her as favored, perplexed, thoughtful, and afraid. And I'm sure each and every one of us can relate to those, those adjectives. On this first Sunday of Advent, when we think about the announcement of the coming of the Christ, we think about the word love. We think about what it meant for God to send Jesus to us. And here she was acting out fully her part. And she said in response to this incredible news, even though all these emotions were tumbling around inside her, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And even though Joseph is not mentioned there, we do find out later on that from Matthew in the first chapter that he too gets a visit from an angel because Joseph was concerned about this birth that was coming uh, from the Holy Spirit. Mary had told him that it was going to be the child of God. Mary had told him. And I'm pretty, pretty sure he was thinking, okay, I'd like an announcement myself. I'd like to hear that. And guess what? He got it. It doesn't name the angel. We're not for sure if it was angel number two in charge or if Gabriel's just not named there. But another angel comes and tells Joseph to relax. Get over it. You're going to be a father. And get on with it as well. And so that's what happens according to the story. Now, when we think about that, and when we think about all this baby Jesus is, this child who's coming to save his people from their sins, this father must have been overwhelmed as well with all kinds of thoughts and feelings. But true to the text and also true to their culture and probably to ours as well, the man didn't have a lot to say. Surprising? Not so much, right? Men are kind of known for keeping their feelings inside. And so today, I want us to take a little journey, a short journey, a short walk, if you will, on this Christmas Eve morning to focus on Joseph before we turn back to Mary this evening. I want us to talk about the fathers of Jesus and what they might have been thinking. Now, I know that some of this, most of this, will have to be from one father's perspective, but all you men can enjoy 
can enjoy it this morning and join me in the silent words that perhaps you thought but never said when your own children were born, right? Because it's not just the woman who's giving birth that's filled with feelings at the time of birth. It's oftentimes those silent fathers that don't quite know what to say who are having lots of feelings going on as well, right? But first of all, let's just talk about that word plural, fathers of Jesus. You see, what happened in this case is something that's really quite familiar in our culture and for very many different kinds of reasons. For instance, the fathers of Jesus are plural. There's God the Holy Spirit, who is the birth father, if you will, of Jesus. And then there is Joseph, the husband of Mary, who is going to be the father who would nurture and father this child in the human way all of his life until Joseph passed away. Now, there are many reasons in life why children grow up knowing more about their nurturing father who is not their birth father than I can list. There are tons of reasons. Many of them, all of them you might say, other than this one, not having anything to do with the child. This one, however, does have something to do with the child because it happens to be the very son of God, which would make that person stand out amongst all humanity. Standing out in such a way that humanity is to see how much God loves them, to understand how much God loves them, to experience how much God loves them, when they realize that God, Jesus' daddy, Abba, Father, if you remember him calling him in Scripture, which to us really translates daddy, is the one who gave him to us, knowing that when he did, he was giving the very life of his only son. Now, when we think about that, let's go to the daddy walk a little bit. Can you remember, gentlemen, after the nine months approximately, give or take a few weeks according to how it went in your family, when you for the first time became a father, you remember where you were? Do you remember what you thought and didn't say? Do you remember how you felt when all of a sudden, there in that room, you witnessed the birth of your child? Now, if you're old enough, you didn't get the pleasure of witnessing the birth. I know you had to sit outside in the waiting room and wait for them to be brought to you, right? By the way, that's one of the miracles of our civilization. We are so wise now, we understand that you can't mess up a delivery room with anything except who's sterile, right? And you can't be around the baby until about three hours later, then everybody can come into the room and say hello, right? You know, and then all kinds of things happen that we are all concerned about in our modern world. But that was not the world of this Jesus, right? Born in a stable. I don't think it was too sterile. Born in a stable, and yet here he was, this very child of Joseph. Now, Joseph has done what all men have done. He has watched his young wife go through a transformation that is amazing. Sally and I, when we were younger, used to kind of have a running argument about that. I, th I, I like to tell her how lucky women were to be able to be the bearers of children, that men could never do that. You can imagine what she said to me, especially about the eighth or ninth month, as things weren't quite so pleasant, right? In fact, I think I recall her at one point saying, I would have gladly given you or let you share in that joy, you know, along the way. But I meant what I said because I 
say it from a point of ignorance, I realize that because I can't experience that. I cannot imagine, however, what it must feel like to have a life growing inside you. Day by day, month by month, week by week, to feel that immediate connection to that child inside you. To feel that life when it begins to move. To eagerly anticipate before it gets so uncomfortable you're just thinking about the arrival day. The joy that's going to be to have your own child in your arms. Now man has to work hard at it. We don't have that intimate connection in that same way. Yes, we put our hands on the stomachs of our wives and our, our friends and we feel the baby move and everybody's excited about that. But they feel that baby moving all the time. There's a bond there that is amazing that a men have to work a lot harder at, quite frankly, than mothers do, I think. Now, imagine Joseph going through all of that and then getting to that point when this child is born. Now, remember, he knows the story that the angel told him. He knows the story that the angel told Mary. Now, most men, when that time comes and that first baby arrives, you've got your head full of stuff. First of all, I was just kind of like, that happened, really, didn't it? Uh, that baby in my hands now in this warm tub of water was just three minutes ago inside Sally. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it, it, was all, it, it is beyond words to take a newborn in your hands. When you haven't been nurturing it moment by moment, but eagerly anticipating it gets there, and when it does, most men are at a loss of words. Most men don't know what to say, and in the last nine months, they've learned that if you don't know what to say, you might best be quiet, because <laughs> you can't get in trouble with a little lady, right? <laughs> you might say the wrong thing during that time. But once the baby is there, that's all gone, and you're just filled with wonder and awe and amazement that the cycle of life is real, and you've had some small part of it. And then almost at that same moment, I think most men are also filled with the practical sides of being the provider in some major way in their family. Thinking about, wow, I have a son or a daughter. Well, I better get started because i got to pick them out a husband or a wife. You know, you think about those things sometimes when they're young, right? I got to make sure everything's ready and right. We got to make sure that they're protected and cared for. We got to start a college fund. You know, we got to do everything because right now that man his mind is racing in overtime about all the stuff he needs to do. Now, he can't really do any of that stuff right now, but he's thinking about it because that's the way most men's mind goes. There's that responsibility side that also sets in that I think is the main reason most men are quiet. Oh, my word. I'm a parent. I haven't been getting used to this over the last nine months quite to the extent that my wife has, but now it's right here in front of me. I'm actually going to help guide another human being through life. And according to the age of the father, that's a frightening thought for us all, right? But it does come and it happens. And then I think there's something else that happens as they that father gazes at that new life. I think there's a sense of overwhelming love that for most men is often guarded 
I think they become more vulnerable in those few moments. If they did talk, then they're comfortable with revealing because they're aware that that little child right there in front of them is such a huge focus now in their life in a way that no one else has been. And in the same way, I think they look at their wife and find a new sense of the depth of the love for them as well. Now, let's think about the other parent. And now here's where it's going to get a little strange. Okay, I'm aware. Yes, I've read the text. I've taken a few theology courses. I know we can't think like God thinks. And I know that God doesn't think like we think. His ways are farther different than our ways. Yes, I know those scriptures. I can quote them too. But it doesn't tell us everything that God thinks, nor does it tell us everything in the scripture about how God reacts to life, nor does it tell us everything in scripture about all the events in God's life, any more than it tells us everything about Jesus' life. It just doesn't, does it? But for a moment, let's just contemplate. Here is God, who, by the way, has already been making preparations for an event that he knew he was coming, right? The choir's already been trained, the song's picked out, and the choir of angels is paused in heaven just waiting for the word to burst into song to the shepherds, right? The shepherds have been guided to the right spot at the right time where the choir's going to show up and hear the big announcement. There was a room provided by that innkeeper who thought he did it. There was all kinds of things going on in heaven from that father's perspective. There was a dual emphasis on fatherhood at this point. I think as God was looking there, there was a sense of, I'm going to use the word satisfaction for God. You say satisfaction? Yes, satisfaction. Why? Here's why. Because I think that when God witnessed the birth of Jesus being born, his son, there was a sense in which he knew what was happening in Jesus was good. That what God had planned for all creation was now going to take its final journey as it began with this boy, baby Jesus. Because you see, this is the final plan of God, which is all built around Jesus until the restoration of his whole creation. This is good as it's going to get as creation begins to respond to Jesus and be transformed more into the humanity that God intended for us to be. This is a time when God looked at it and knew his plan was coming about. Now, you say, did he really anticipate it? I believe he did. And you, yes, I know that he already knows all events that have ever happened in earth philosophically. I understand that, that uh, time has been completed in the mind of God, uh, a concept almost too big for my country boy brain. But everything has already occurred in the mind of God, and yet there's a sense in which God participates in the present as well in our world and in our lives. There's a sense in which I believe that Jesus, God was on the edge of that cloud with the Spirit watching the birth of Jesus just like the Father on earth was. I believe that God was just as engaged as he was. I believe his eyes were filled with pride as he saw a part of himself, literally, that was going to grow up and do for humankind what nothing else had been able to accomplish. I believe he looked at him and he realized in the middle of that sense of wonder and joy, also it was mingled with a little dread and a little pain at the thought that this, his baby son, would grow up and would lose his life for the life of others. I think as a father, 
And because he was the kind of father he was and knowing that, he had to be hurting a little bit deep inside the very heart of God. I believe he was also planning the nurture of Jesus, just like Joseph was. I believe that he was going to lead those two Jesus who would teach him, instruct him, guide him, protect him. I believe he will guide his father to take him to Egypt to escape when the king was trying to take his life. I believe that God was constantly nurturing him as a distant father, just as much as the present father who was with, with him was nurturing him in an earthly way. Yes, fathers were present at the birth of Jesus. And I believe they were gazing upon that sight with all the wonder that we felt when our own sons and daughters were born. And quite frankly, I tell you, it never ceases to amaze me every time a child is brought forward for baptism. Life is changed when you take that baby into your hands. And every time you hold an innocent little child, you realize the depth of God's love who entrusted his child to Joseph and to Mary and to his people, even knowing that in the end, they would turn against him. How much love is that? That is what we gather to celebrate today. Not just the love of a father, or just the, nor just the love of a mother, but the love of God. Who is willing to give all that he had, the most precious gift he had, in order that we might all be who we were called to be. Who we were intended to be. And that let the work of transformation continue as we continue to have the nurturing hand of God upon us, as we continue to submit ourselves to his instruction and to his will. For it is in being the people of God that we honor the baby Jesus. It is in our sharing the good news of that story with others that Christmas Eve is special. I applaud you for your attendance this morning. We won't have the most people in worship of anywhere around, but I bet we have perhaps one of the largest percentage of its members who came to church on Christmas Eve morning to worship the Son. But we are here, and it is His day. And we shall honor Him throughout the day and into the night until the dawn of Christmas Day at midnight tonight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are aware that with anticipation, fathers as well as mothers eagerly awaited this special event and received this new baby into their arms. We are aware, Lord, of what a precious gift that is to await and then open ourselves to your presence and to receive all that you came to bring us. And so, Lord, now this morning, if there's someone here, someone here who this morning has not yet opened their arms to Christ, has not yet received the Christ child into their life in such a way that their life has been made all new. We would pray, Lord, they would be moved by your spirit, the giver of life, to respond in some way. Perhaps they didn't want to talk to a pastor today. Perhaps they just want to come to the chancel rail and pray. But we pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't find themselves gazing at the manger today, that they might do so even now. 
For we are your church, and our arms are open to receive all of those who would gather at the foot of the manger to worship the very Son of God on this holy day. Bless us now as we continue to worship and sing. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 